All right, what is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another day of Saber Sims DFS Office Hours. It is Monday, October 9th of 2023 here. First show of the week. We do this show Monday through Friday, 2 p.m. Eastern. My name is Andrew. I'm one of the coaches over here at Saber Sims, the show where we go over how to use Saber Sim app, answer any and all DFS-related questions, get your questions in one of three ways here. First off, send us an email, support at sabersim.com. Second way, post it live in the YouTube chat. Third way, post it in the Office Hours channel in our Discord server. If you're not in our Discord, want to get access to that channel, there is a link in the description of this video. Get access to our similar individual sport channels. Get access to other members of the Sabersim team, other members of the community. Get to give and take feedback on sport-specific questions. So can't say enough good things about the Discord. But since it is Monday, we have to announce the winners of our weekly max challenge. If you guys aren't familiar with this, this is a giveaway promotion that we do during the NFL season. Uh, you can find details in the link in the description of this video. There's a link to this page where you can even sign up if you are not signed up. We have weekly winners, season-long winners. Uh, all you have to do, use the SaberSim logo as your avatar on DraftKings. Fill out our short form so we can send you guys awesome prizes. And then max enter one of the DraftKings Mini Max contests on an NFL Sunday main slate. That is all you have to do. But for our first weekly winner here, our top finisher of the week was Wear and Tear 1014 with a second-place finish at 257.12 points. So close to that being here, uh, but congratulations. You're going to get a Sabersim hoodie and an entry into our end of the season free roll here. And then for everybody who participated, I have grabbed all of the names for this week. There were 206 people who participated. We are going to do a spin for free entry into next week's mini max. Um, if you guys want to check out the page to make sure that you guys are listed, we post that in the office hours channel so everybody can pop in there and make sure that they're accounted for. But we do our best to make sure that we get everybody. So uh, definitely make that available to the public, but want to let you guys know we're doing our due diligence there. So I'm going to hit shuffle a couple times here, and then we are going to spin the wheel and then see who gets free entry into next week's Minimax. And the winner is W-V-U-E-E-R. Oh, eight. I know if I try and pronounce it, I'm going to butcher it. So I just want to uh, give a big congratulations to the winner here. We will be reaching out to you and wear and tear, letting you guys know that you guys were the winners for week five of the NFL season. Still plenty of time to sign up if you guys aren't signed up and participate in this awesome giveaway. So thank you to all 206 people who participated this week and, uh, you know, keeping those numbers strong, looking forward to another awesome week next week. But with that said, going to get Saber Sim pulled up here and, and we are going to get right into the show. So it looks like our first question came in on, uh, looks like Saturday here and want to talk, uh, start here from Reed Thompson said, I am playing the Braves showdown and Saber Sim suggests locking Strider captain but also suggests a full fate of Strider on the main slate. Can they coexist or is that just a happy hedge? I think this is a really interesting question. I think this is a really interesting problem here. Um, you know, I didn't play the slate, so I'm not 100% sure, you know, where I fall on that. But I think that the question, you know, comes down to if you see this, what do you do with this information, right? Like, hey, I'm playing the showdown and we love Strider Captain. I'm playing the main slate and 
and we hate Strider. What do I do? Right. And frankly, I, I don't know why um, Saber Sam took this approach. It probably has a lot to do with slate context and just generally how the how the simulations uh, played out. Right. So just remember, each time we're building your lineups, uh, we are going into the simulations, grabbing a certain number of sims, depending on what type of contest you're playing, and then playing those out play by play and then figuring out what are the best lineups from there. So we have a database of thousands of sims. Right. So if say you're building 500 lineups, well, you might only be sampling, you know, 500 out of the thousands of the say 5000 sims. Right. If you're playing a showdown. So now there's still 90% of Sims that you haven't accessed. And then maybe, um, you know, you got a subset of 500 where Strider didn't do well or there was a lot of leverage against using Strider. And then playing, you know, the main slate, on the main slate, you know, we're not going to take those single game Sims like we are in the showdown. So you're going to get access to more Sims. And then over a larger sample of Sims, Strider ultimately did better and was worth keeping in those lineups. So, I see that your name is white here, which is why I mentioned this because that tells me that you're on the standard plan, which you're only building up to 500 lineups. So taking advantage of, you know, the pro plan uh, alone can get you up to 5,000 lineups where your sample size on any given slate of the number of lineups that you can build just 10, 10 X's, right? It grows so fast. So you get access to a lot more outcomes there and then you can end up with different results. So I would say like it could possibly be some sampling bias, just, from the subset of lineups that you got there. But I would say if I saw this, um, I would probably dig in a little more, right? I would be like, okay, you know, why am I doing this? Uh, you know, is it pitch count related? Like, like try and make sense of the results that you're seeing and then decide what you want to do. But I think that, you know, if I'm in your position, what I would do is I would probably play closer to the player's ownership. And the reason for that is that playing, matching exposure to ownership is the most neutral thing that you can do in your portfolio. Uh, how If the player does good, you have an equal percent of shares as the rest of the field of lineups that are still live. And then if the player does bad, you lose equal shares to the, to the field in comparison to the field that the field lost. And then you still have so many lineups that are still live without that player, right? So if you're unsure, matching exploiter ownership is the best way to go. Um, I think that's very interesting and, and um, you know, kind of wish I played so I could have, uh, determine, you know, why the Sims were doing that, but awesome question to get us started. All right. Next question here from MPKR question says, is the correlation slider, a filter that grades slash filters line up by correlation for the lineups created from the play-by-play -play Sims, which should already be correlated. Great question. So the correlation slider is essentially a multiplier. So what it does is that you're correct, that there is natural correlation within the Sims. And those correlations are represented on a player-by-player -player basis when you click on any individual player. If I click on Patrick Mahomes, I could see the players that we say he is most correlated to. And these are the average correlations, right? Uh, when we build your lineups, so I don't really care how Patrick Mahomes correlates to the other players in the game when he has a very bad outcome, when he scores his 25th percentile, which is well below his mean, right? Uh, he's probably not going to get into my lineups at that correlation level. So I don't really care about that, right? What I care about is what we refer to as upside correlation.
Hey, can you guys hear me? I just want to do a test here. And if somebody can let me know if they can hear my audio, that would be great. Mic check, mic check. All right, so apologies about that, guys. Um, I'm going to finish the show here on my laptop and not going to have a camera, but at least we can get through all of the questions. So thanks, guys, uh, for bearing with me through that hiccup. But getting back to what we were talking about here, right? We were talking about correlation in the in, – in, we're just talking about correlation in general, right? So I was going through this example with Patrick Mahomes here and talking about the average correlations, right? But we don't care how he correlates on average. We care about how he correlates when he has a good game, when he has these 85th percentiles, 95th percentiles, 99th, right? Those upside correlations are what we call it. He has an upside outcome. How does he correlate to his pass catchers, to the opposing team, et cetera, here, right? In these specific scenarios. So that is what the correlation slider is looking at here. And depending on the slate, the correlation slider is going to be at a different value. So this is essentially a multiplier. So what's happening is that, okay, so Demetrius is saying he doesn't hear me, but other people are saying that they do hear me. So just one more time, let me know if you guys can hear me. Uh, I'm going to keep it rolling. I'll keep an eye here on the chat, but, um, but getting back to it, right? So, so what the correlation slider does is it, takes the outcomes from the sim and says, okay, hey, Patrick Mahomes had a really good day. Let's boost the players around him, the players that he's correlated to, and basically provide a projection multiplier here. So what this does is that this takes the correlation that's already there and enhances it to get these very highly stacked lineups. So, you know, we always say that, hey, you know, Saberson builds you uh, for MLB, four stacks out of the gate, five stacks out of the gate. Well, how does it do, do that, right? The the natural correlation is fine, but this upside correlation just boosts that fact. So if you turn correlation off as like a test for MLB and then run a build with correlation at zero, you're going to get some stacks. You're going to get, you know, two stacks, three stacks. The correlation slider is going to say, hey, you know, we want to um, really take advantage of the correlation and and enhance it. And that, that multiplier that's applied is how you get to those four stacks, those five stacks, those really big stacks there. So that's what the correlation slider is doing. Um, it is taking your correlation and taking it to the next level. So really good question there and happy to talk about that further if there's any more questions. All right. Our next question here was from, uh, who was it from? From Point Blank. Point Blank said, I'm experimenting with a max exposure to ownership function with showdowns. It looks like if you set the minimax exposures, you cannot manually override it with respect to individual players. Is this correct? Is there a way of doing this? Um, so if you use the match exposure to ownership function here, which I will just display how to do that. So what you do is like, say I'm doing it for this slate, right? I go to my own. And then what this is going to do using this match exposure to ownership, it's going to set a range for the player to come in at. And the reason it's setting a range is to just give the builder even a little bit of flexibility here. So by setting a range um, that allows for the exposures to be close to the ownership, but you're not saying that Saber Sam has to match it one for one here. Right. And let me just put the question in the chat as well. 
That way you guys could see what I'm talking about. But this is the question here. And so when I go to do this, it's going to ask you, hey, I want to set a range. So if I do 15% above or below, it's going to look at the number. So if it's 30%, that's going to do 4.5% uh, above and below that number. So we can just hit save. And then we can see this, right? And then the number is going to be applied above and below. So one thing that I like to do, you you can still adjust these, right? If I wanted to go in here and say, you know what? I don't want to cap Devontae Adams. I'm okay with him being 100%. I can go in here and I can make that adjustment. So, so making manual adjustments beyond that option should work for you. So if that's not working for you, what I would do is I would try a hard refresh. I would do a control shift R, command shift R, depending on what your operating system is here, if you're on Mac or Windows. But, um, you know, just reading the question for myself, it it says like, it looks like if you set minimax exposures, you cannot manually override it with respect to individual players. So um, what I would do is I would use the match exposure to ownership first and then apply any manual adjustments you want after that so uh small tweak there maybe you are setting min exposures before and then using it and it's not working correctly i haven't tried it that way but i would just do it the opposite way and you should be fine so really good question there uh next question here from scratchy scratchy said get this one in the chat scratchy said when picking out lineups for single entry three max from a build how much more weight do you give to a lineup with 180% risk adjusted ROI versus 100 versus 50, et cetera? Or do you kind of mostly lump all the clear positive ones together in the same bucket? Okay. This is a really good question. And this is something that I've been experimenting with, uh, kind of handling like differently here. So, so let's just like run a build here. Um, let's run a new build where I did not match exposure to ownership. I'm just going to use this two game slate. I think that, you know, this is more of like a, Classic slate here, a little little easier. I think showdown can be different, all things considered here. So I'm just going to run 500 lineups for this two-game slate here uh, while I talk about this, right? So one thing that I've been experimenting with is treating all of my risk-adjusted ROI or ROI lineups kind of the same here and – when I, when I say that, I mean being comfortable to play any of them. And one way you can do this is that if you're on the pro, if you're on the ultimate plan, right, you can run a contest sim and I'm just going to run like a default contest sim here. So just basic defaults here, uh, kick that off. And then once it finishes, you can just filter by the ROI from your pool and then it will remove all of like the negative ROI lineups, right? So contest sim just finished. I'm going to go into filter. I'm going to add a filter. And let's just say I don't want to play any lineups that are negative risk adjusted ROI. So I'm going to say show lineups with risk adjusted ROI greater than zero. So then it's going to take all of the negative ones and then move them into the trash. And that was about 40, right? And, and I think that's great. We, we've, we're basically filtering our pool. We're taking 500 lineups. We're getting rid of about 10% right? So we've, we've um, curated our player pool a little bit here and now we're, we're good to go. So I like to do that and then go in and apply additional diversity, right? Apply my mini uniques, apply max exposures. If I think I have too much exposure to any one individual player and be okay with 
playing, you know, my my top highest ROI lineup and then playing one of my lower high one of my lowest ROI lineups just because um you know we we've had this conversation a little bit but basically if you had an infinite bankroll and an infinite number of slates to play you should play the top ROI lineups every single time because over the long term those are going to pay out the best right but most of us are working within a bankroll only a limited number of slates to play, right? So in that case, you know, diversity becomes even more important. Smoothing out your swings becomes more important. Um, getting getting a good diverse set of lineups. So in this case, you know, I'm basically saying I want to, from within positive ROI lineups, I want to play the most diverse set I can possibly play. And that's the approach that I've been taking. So I'm not looking at individual ROIs between lineups, uh, mostly also because I'm playing a, a spread of lineups, right? Following the DFS profit plan, playing 25 to 30%, I'm sorry, 25 to 50% of your bankroll allocation into single entries and three maxes, playing 20, 50 to 75% of your allocation into 20 max and 150 max contests. You're going to end up with a couple hundred lineups probably, right? So I don't really have the time to go through there and look like on a lineup by lineup basis, which if you're only playing a handful of lineups, I can understand that, right? But Coming from, well, I, I guess your question said when picking out lineups for single entry and three max. So, so we're 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 zoning in on that one build, which which I understand, right? Um, in in that build, I'm actually applying more diversity, right? Because when you have say ten single entries and three maxes, as opposed to a hundred fifty, a hundred ninety lineups mixing in some twenty maxes, your lineup to pool ratio increases, right? Playing taking 10 out of 500 is different than taking 190 out of 500, right? You just have more lineups to choose from. So I'm just increasing my diversity. Uh, that way, you know, say I have three lineups with Tyree kill. Well, you know, if he gets hurt, that's going to sink a big portion of my portfolio. So just trying to get more plays on the slate, spread that out is, is the way I like to go in those single entries, three maxes and sacrificing some ROI to do that. I'm ultimately okay with that. But another good question Scrolling down here, next one from Black Mamba. Question says, Hey, Andrew, happy Monday. Quick question. For tonight's NFL single game slate in FanDuel, can you go over the process of picking the correct MVP? Case in point, last night's game, I went with McCaffrey based on the build recommendations, but it was Kittle that was optimal MVP. Should I adjust my exposures based off of ownership? Okay, so I think that... This question kind of piggybacks well with the response I gave to the last one where, you know, you said, you said you picked one captain. So that tells me that, Hey, you're probably only playing a couple of lineups or even one lineup or only a handful, right? This is where I'm saying like, Hey, you know, follow the profit plan. You're going to get so many more lineups down while playing the same amount of money per slate. And you're going to get access to so many more lineups where if you had 150 lineups, you're going to not only have Christian McCaffrey captain, right? You're going to have a mix. You're going to have some George Kittles. You're going to have some Ayuk's. You're going to have some Purdy's, you know, you're going to have some Cowboys as well. So like this, the DFS profit plan, the whole point of it is to help you smooth out the variance while still allowing you to grow your bankroll. And I think this is a great example, right? Maybe you're playing, you know, one higher dollar single entry, like a $25, right? Well, hey, you could have played the 150 max nickel and got 150 lineups in for seven 
dollars and fifty cents, and then maybe you even play the two two two, right? And you get I don't know ten lineups into that, and all of a sudden you have way more lineups than just the one you played at the same bankroll level. So that's kind of what I'm talking about here is like getting a good mix. Ultimately, you know, we don't know who's going to be the highest scoring captain on any given day. So the best thing you can do is diversify your portfolio and get shares of different players. And then you can still get leverages, but you, but you're going to get a better mix overall. So that's uh, kind of exactly what we're talking about here. All right. Next question here from goat napped question says, I feel like I'm not understanding how to set up auto rules properly. For example, on showdown slates, I have certain rules, like if captain running back, no other running back from that team in the flex, I set this up manually each slate, but would like to see if there's an easier way to do this using auto rules. Okay, so we had a uh, person here, Knacker Matt, actually jumped in and helped us out with this one. So appreciate the workaround here. So yeah, the way to do this is actually with, a little bit of a hacky way, but with stat requirements, right? So if you go to any showdown contest, the problem here is that DraftKings labels these players captains or flex. They are not taking into account their actual position on the field. So this is where it gets weird if you're trying to say, hey, you know, if quarterback must use three pass catchers and you you want to check in the wide receivers and tight ends you can't exactly do that so the way that you have to do that um is two ways one you could do a manual rule but the problem with a group manual rule is that you have to come in here and you have to do it like every single time right so if i'm doing if at least one then use at least one so i'm saying if at least you know jimmy g then use three raiders flex players that i pick but then you have to go do it for the next slate and the next slate so if you want to create a rule that is going to carry over slate to slate, what I would do is use a group automatic rule. And the example was given uh, two running backs. So I'm going to say if at least one player from a team, so group by team, and I'm going to leave both captain and flex, or I can even say, I can even say captain, right? So the example was, hey, if I play a running back in the captain, I don't want another same team running back in the flex. So if at least one captain from a team, then use exactly zero i'm going to do flex on the same team but here you need to uh add stat requirements right so these requirements allow you to go in here and say hey if this player has rush attempts rush yards rushing touchdowns you know any of these right and i would i would recommend looking at the players in question right so if i want to go and do this maybe for aaron jones and aj Dillon, right so another thing i can do is i could right click on position to just look at the running backs quickly here. And then I say, okay, how many attempts does Aaron Jones have? So Aaron Jones has 12, AJ Dillon has eight. So I can just set the requirement here. So if the captain has greater than eight rush attempts, then use exactly zero players on the same team who have rush attempts greater than eight. So then by doing this, what I'm saying is that, hey, if we use Aaron Jones or if we use A.J. Dillon, do not use a player in the flex that also has eight rush attempts. And then this will solve your solve the problem that you're getting to, right? You could do this with receivers. Uh, you could do this a couple different ways. You could even do opposing team, right? So there's hacky ways to get what you want. You just have to use the stat requirements 
to do it. But I think that's a good question. And I think that's a solid workaround. So thank you, Knacker Matt. All right, we're going to jump over to the YouTube chat here. And first question I'm seeing from Western Decline says, what's the best geo mean to stay under to avoid dupes in showdown? So this is a contest by contest question here. And the reason it is, is because, so what geometric mean does, it is a formula to estimate how likely you think a lineup is to be duplicated in your contest, but the contest size comes into play here. So a geo mean value for a single entry, 1000 entry contest is going to be, it's going to have a different number of estimated dupes than a contest with a hundred thousand entries, right? So you can't take one geo mean value and apply it across the board here. But what I would suggest doing um, is going to our help docs here. So go to, go to the top right drop down menu, Go to help. That will open up our support library. Go to frequently asked questions and then type in geometric mean or search through the articles. It says, how does product ownership and geometric mean work? That is going to allow you to, uh, I have a four minute tutorial video that, video there talking about some ownership, product ownership, geometric mean, how they work, how you can apply those in the app. And that video is going to basically walk you through the formula and how to do it here. So a little limited in, in my current capacity here, uh, doing this stream on the fly here. So I'm not going to showcase that for you guys, but in our support docs, you can find that video and that should help you out a ton. All right. Uh, next question here from Thomas. Thomas said, having a hard time getting builds to include wide receiver twos without a bunch of editing exposures. Um, so what I would say is that if there is a set of players that you know you want, you can do this a couple different ways, right? And I'm going to go back to the to the two game slate today just to uh, showcase this a little better. So what I would do is I would go to build settings and I, I would go to lineup rules. And let's say that there is a group of players that you know you want. So what I can do is I can go to group, I can go to manual, and I can say use at least one, use at least two from a set, right? And then I'm going to go to those players and then I'm just going to check them in, right? So I'm going to go uh, maybe by my wide receivers here. And then, you know, whoever I classify as wide receiver twos, right? Maybe Jacoby Myers, maybe um, Jaden Reed, maybe maybe Sky Moore, right? Some of these guys uh, gets a little tricky with, with some of these teams, but that's why it's kind of up to your discretion. So that's why I would do a manual rule. And then you could say, hey, if you, I have this group of six players, use at least one, use at least two in every lineup. Or what you could do is you could boost their projections, right? Um, you, could, you could give them a projection boost. One thing to remember, guys, is that, you know, with the new Saberson, we're calling it this all-in-one build. Our, our big thing is build, review, revise. So build your lineups. You're looking at them. They're not what you want. Hey, you come in here. You make adjustments to min and max exposures, and then you rebuild the lineup. So once you have a lineup set, you're going to have where this build lineups button is in the settings in the right-hand side of the lineups view. It's going to say rebuild lineups. So set all the min and max exposures you want. And then rebuild your lineups. SaberSim is going to use your new min exposures as inputs into your next build and then build you a new set of lineups with those things taken into account in the beginning. So that's what I would do there. Uh, Thomas also asked, what bankrolls need to justify the ultimate package? I think this is a good question. Uh, frankly, I don't know. It's going to depend how often you're playing, I think. And the reason for that 
is that, you know, say you're playing only NFL, right? And you're playing $300 on a weekend. Well, there's only four to five weekends for the main slates, right? And let's assume you're not playing any showdown, right? So you kind of have to look at, hey, how much am I wagering in a month? And, and, you know, what do I expect the return to be on that wagering, right? So I think that, you know, that's probably a good way to go about it. Like NBA season is right around the corner, you know, NHL right around the corner. If you are playing these sports every single day, uh, you know, you're risking a lot more bankroll across the month there. So you can expect a uh, higher, higher number ROI. And so a higher return, right? But if you're only playing, you know, once a week, well then, you know, the math gets a little tricky. So look at how much you're playing a month and, you know, kind of decide, Hey, you know, do I think that with the amount of money I'm risking and, and the contest that I'm playing, you know, can I make enough to pay for this each and every month, which I think is like a lot of people's goals. So I don't have a hard and fast number, but that's the approach I would take to justifying it. All right. Question here from uh, dirty Mert says, would you say if you are simulating based on risk adjusted ROI that we are better off avoiding rules? I'm using the builder with them, but seeing that a contest sim does a pretty good job itself. And as you know, playing with the rules can be restrictive, even if they're going to apply 80% of the time. Uh, I think this is a great question. The place I tell people to use rules is where you consistently see SaberSim is doing something that you do not want it to do. So if you are seeing, you know, this certain uh, combination of players popping up over and over again, you just do not want that. Then I would set a rule. But like you said, SaberSim is going to do a great job of getting to a lot of the correlated stats and things that you want most of the time, but it's going to allow for exceptions, right? Um, if there is something that, you know, maybe it didn't work out in a certain set of Sims, it won't be in that lineup. And then you're going to get these things at the rate that they show up in the Sims. So I ultimately, I really like that approach is letting these things come up through this ground up approach of these play-by-play -play Sims and not setting hard and fast rules, which Max and I talked a little bit about today in our week five NFL main slate review that should be coming out uh, within the next day or so here. So be on the lookout for that. All right. Question from Jeffrey. Jeffrey said, how can I set the rule if I use a running back at captain that I don't want to use a running back in the flex, same team running back for context. So we actually just displayed that here. Um, that was the question that came up in the discord. So I would just rewind a little bit and you should be able to find that example. All right. Turn eight said, can you go over late swap situations? Like how do I know I should late swap in situations outside of the obvious out players? Um, so I think this is interesting here. And what I would say is that I don't think that you're going to get a ton of value late swapping at the moment, just because one, we're not pulling in live ownerships Two, we don't have uh, live updating projections like at the moment here. So you basically be late swapping with the current information that you already have. Hold on one second. Okay. So by doing it with the information you already have, the only time I could see you squeaking out some edge would be like, Hey, you know, my lineups are doing very poorly in the morning games. Maybe I want to be a little more uh, risky in the afternoon games to try and get back some min cash equity, right? Or maybe you're doing really good and you had a lot of low owned pieces already do well. Well, Hey, maybe I want to play a little chalkier in the second half of the slate. So like, those are the only times I could see late swap being good in NFL currently here. Um, when we get into NBA, like 
late swap is huge, right? Just because players get scratched out uh, time and time again and value opens up and, sh- and starters change, right? But, but for NFL, basically until like there's like live contest sims, I think when there are live contest sims, uh, that's going to be a great opportunity to late swap before the afternoon games. But prior to that, I would only do it in like those specific scenarios. Okay, Derek said, does it matter much if we create a filter via the aggregator versus the contest sim filter? Is it better to do the former because it runs pre-build? And then it said, when filtering, well, it's a good cutoff for the dupes variable if you want to eliminate all lineups over a certain threshold. For showdown tonight, I'm seeing lineups with up to 10 dupes. Okay, so first part here, does it matter if we create a filter via the aggregator versus the contest sim filter? Um, So... I'm, I'm a little bit confused, but I'm going to give this one my best shot. So when you say the aggregator, what that means to me is like a lineup rule where you are using an aggregate rule where you're saying, hey, you know, don't show me any lineup that has, you know, ownership, uh, some ownership no more than, you know, X, right? And then this would make sure that, hey, this lineup is never created, right? When you're doing it via a filter, what you're going to say, like like a post-build filter, you're allowing that lineup to be generated and then you're basically getting rid of it. For showdown, I like to do it the second way. And the reason I like to do it the second way is because you're having less of an effect on the sim-generated lineup. So, if the sim generates a lineup over your threshold here, the builder is going to say, hey, wait, guys, you know, we can't put this lineup into the pool because it's over our threshold. Let's let's fix this lineup to put it in, right? And then it has to alter the lineup to put it into the pool to meet your rule, right? And then that has a little bit more effect on the sims here. If you do it the second way, you're going to let the lineup be put into the pool, but then you're going to say, okay, you know, let's filter it out. And then because it's showdown, right? We don't really care so much about being unique and diversification. We're trying to find the optimal lineup. So how do I take a pool of 500 lineups and take it down to the set of, I don't know, 20 lineups that I actually want to play? Well, I think that filtering option is a great way to do that, right? So that's why I like post-build filtering for showdown as opposed to lineup rules. But if lineup rules are the only thing you have at your discretion for like a geomean filter, then it's better to apply the geomean filter than to not apply it, right? So um, definitely a give and take there. And then the second part was, what's a good cutoff for the dupes variable if you want to eliminate all lineups over a certain threshold? So I think that the dupes new contest sim variable is very cool, right? If you guys aren't familiar with it, basically if you run a contest sim um, for showdown, right? So I'm just going to build 200 showdown lineups really quickly here. And I always like to, I always like to open up the min salary guys. I don't know if you guys are doing that, but I think salary is like one of the most driving factors towards duplication in, in showdown, like salary is correlated to projected points. So the less salary, the less projected points on average, and then ultimately, um, kind of the less dupes in that regard. Right. But I'm just going to make like a basic contest sim here and I'm going to run that. And then the question was about the dupes, uh, contest sim metrics. So this is a new metric. So when we do the ownership build, we do it differently than we do a regular build, right? So let's say that, you know, you build a pool of, of lineups, 
And then we always talk about the sim optimals variable. So what sim optimals is, is, hey, when this lineup comes up again, we're not going to put it into your pool. We're just going to tally that information, right? And by tallying the information, we're using that as a variable in your Sabre score metric. Well, when we do the ownership build, instead of tallying it, we just let the lineup go into the pool twice to show that it's in there more than once. That way that can be accounted for in the contest sim. So we're handling it different for the ownership build versus your lineups strictly for the sake of the contest sim, right? So the good thing about the dupes is that it's getting calculated. Like say that lineup wins your contest sim. Well, it's only going to win, you know, not all of the first place equity, but a split of for how many times it was duped, right? And then they'll be splitting X number of places if they win, right? So you get a more accurate ROI number for allowing the lineup into your ownership build multiple times when you run the contest sim. Ultimately, I, I haven't come up, I haven't, you know, heard a discussion around like, hey, what's a good cutoff? But there's an interesting idea where like the showdown ownership pool has 10,000 lineups. So if you're playing a contest bigger than that and a lineup is already duped 10 times, I think it's safe to say that it's going to be more duped than that, right? I don't think it's like a linear where like, hey, if it's duped 10 times and 10,000, that means it's going to be duped. 20 times in 20,000. Um, I still think that there is a place for geometric mean. I think ownership, I, I'm sorry, I think roster construction and geometric mean and salary are still all very important and can help you to find good lineups that are less duplicated. But I would say that if a lineup is showing up 10 times duped in my contest sim or my ownership build of 10,000 lineups, I, I would say that's like probably a bad sign. And, but I think the ROI numbers should reflect that as well. So take that, uh, do with that information as you can. I don't have a strong suggestion there. And I don't want to lead anyone astray by coming up with something on the fly when I haven't thought about this problem for a very long time. So uh, tread carefully and might be a good question for like the NFL channel in Discord where you can get feedback from a lot of different people. All right, question from Jeffrey said, if I'm uploading custom projections ownership for DK Showdown, how can I get Saberson to recognize captain ownership and flex ownership? Okay, so I've heard some people have problems with this. So when you go to upload, there should be a captain ownership and ownership dropdowns here. So what I've been told is that if you have these in the same CSV, if there is a column with captain ownership and a column with flex ownership, if they're in the same upload, you should be able to differentiate them and it should work. If that's not working and you can only do one or the other, I would always suggest just doing the flex and then manually inserting the captain or vice versa, right? So um, reason being is that there's probably going to be less viable flexes than there are going to be, I'm sorry, there's going to be less viable captains than there are flex players. So that should save you some time, but you might have to enter one set of those manually. Uh, shouldn't take too long, but something the team is aware of and wants to fix. All right, Dirty Merch said, can you please go over the sim review tool? I'm noticing when I filter on a player, let's say Big T, to see his build, it's only showing me lineups and exposures for those that had a positive ROI, which isn't the most helpful since I need to understand his total spread across 150 lineups. Okay, so good question here. Um, if you haven't seen on our YouTube channel, we do a weekly NFL review using this tool. 
Um, Max and I record those every week. Max Steinberg's is a high stakes pro, won a million maker, uh, had a lot of success in DFS over the last eight to 10 years here. But the what you're discussing here at the moment, is, I'll, I'll show for you. So if you go to contests, you go to any of these large field contests. Right now for these large field contests, we're only pulling in the top 20,000 20, lineups. So say you go you know, to the, um, to like one of these big contests, we'll say the flea flicker, right? If I click on the flea flicker, there are 71,000 entries in this contest. But right now, when you load the lineups, it's only loading the top 20,000. So if you go to users and you filter for any one player, say somebody that entered 150 lineups, right? Uh, we use shady advice. We're only going to be looking at the number of his lineups that finished in the top 20,000. So we can see that he had 49 lineups finished in the top 20,000 of this contest, right? So we're working on ways to um, make this information, basically show all of this information. And the first step, you know, we were previously not showing these contests at all. Now we're showing the top 20,000 lineups. Uh, the user summaries are correct here. So if you want to see what any individual player did across their set here, like like this sim ROI is across their 150, right? These unique lineups, these average scores, they're um, not their stack exposures and player exposures, but some of these sim metrics are all across it. So we're still working on making this better each and every day, but that is what it is showing at the moment. So hope that helps you in your process to just understand what you're seeing and, and take away the correct takeaways there. But that was our last question in the discord and the office hours channel. Oh, I'm sorry, in the YouTube chat. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Appreciate you guys sticking it out while I switch computers here midstream. So we'll be right back here tomorrow, Tuesday for our next show until then take care. Good luck in your contest. I will see you all. Thanks. Bye.